to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham, and joining me today is one of my favorite people in the business. I don't know why I don't have him on the podcast all the time. Uh, the longtime radio voice of the Sacramento Kings, the voice of the Sacramento Kings, Mr. Gary Gerald. G-Man, what's going on? Well, you know, it's terrific to be hanging out, getting an extra day here in Miami. And it's even better when you consider that you're savoring a victory. Because as you well know, in the 30 times the Kings, as the Sacramento Kings, have come to South Florida, this is only the fourth time that they've been able to experience a win. So we're we're in rare territory, rare air here, and we're enjoying it thoroughly. It, it seems like, I mean, the evening, I was watching the game in studio. I was actually sitting with Gary St. Jean and his brother, and we were watching the game. Uh, St. had to go do the, the Warriors telecast, and I was hanging out with his brother. And I kept thinking to myself, man, they got a chance in this game. Uh, they just kept hanging in there. To me... Of all the years, they haven't won in Miami since 2001. How is it? How shocking is it that it was this team that somehow broke this streak? Uh, they're just they just lost eight in a row. Uh, they're coming off a nice win, but they you know again this is a young team. They've struggled, and the Heat are came in 27 and 20. They're riding high. They're fourth in the East, and it's this team that somehow snaps the uh, 15 game losing streak in Miami. Well, I'm as surprised as anyone, particularly the way the Kings went through a stretch from about three minutes or so into the second half when they opened up an eight-point lead, and then they just literally fell off the side of the mountain. And we've seen this happen so many times, and I think it's somewhat typical of a of a young team still learning to, to know each other and the nuances of the game and one thing or another. But to go from an eight-point lead at 58-50 to be outscored, I think it was 33-13, to 13, you're oh. down 12. You've only scored, I think, three points in the first six and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, and you're saying there's no way. And then the next thing you know, you get a couple of defensive stops, and they cashed in on the other end, and, and they're clawing their way back into it. And the thing that jumped out to me, James, was the fact that, and I, I wasn't aware of this, I knew they were good defensively down the stretch, but Dwayne Tickner, one of the assistant coaches, uh, came and plopped down next to me on the bus coming back to the hotel, and he said, you realize that we stopped, we had 11 stops in the last 13 possessions. And I said, wow. I mean, that's what wins you basketball games in anybody's league. But it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I, you know, you couldn't be more excited for these guys to get back-to-back wins. In all the years of the Kings in Sacramento, they've never made the Florida sweep. And that sounds ridiculous because there have been a lot of years when Miami was very good, but there were a lot of years early on when they weren't very good. And there were a lot of years when Orlando wasn't very good. But this is the first time ever in 33 years as the Sacramento Kings to win back-to-back games in Florida. So we're, we're enjoying that. And I, I just, 
I, I love the fact that these guys, I, I just came back from a workout and there was, let's see, there was Bogey and there was De'Aaron Fox and Justin Jackson and Buddy Heald and Big Papa were all in the weight room and the laughing and the joking. And you can tell that these guys not only are enjoying the fact that they've won consecutive games, but they really do enjoy each other's company. And that's very refreshing. That's what I've noticed with this group is that high or low, they do get along. They, they have, uh, to me, it's, it's funny conversations. Like when you're in the locker room and pregame, there's a lot of funny, like oddball, (laughs) uh, almost teenager esque conversations that go on. They're just like a young, fun group. I mean, I guess you can avoid the South, the South beach flu by, by flying in, uh, three or four 20 year olds who can't even go out to a club. I guess I, that's one way to do it, but uh, I, you've called plenty of wins uh, and plenty of game winners, plenty of you know exciting moments like that. Is it satisfying for you when you're on the road and you see a play that makes you jump out of your seat? Um, but as opposed to the Arco reaction or the the Golden One reaction, where the the fans light up like a candle uh, to watch a, a visiting crowd just disappear like that it is is there some satisfaction well, yeah. or is it just like how is that the emotion of that for you well let's first of all let's let's face facts you know you've been with an organization calling their games for 33 years you are a fan as well as a broadcaster because you get to know these guys and you get to know them well and you want them to have success and when success has been hard to come by these become very special moments but I think any broadcaster, you included, would tell you, you know, that it's you live for moments like this when the ball game's on the line and it comes right down to the final seconds of the competition. And when somebody comes up with a play like Fox did last night, it literally brings you out of your seat. I mean, it was so unexpected. Bogey worked so hard for a good fadeaway look. Thank goodness he, he took it with enough time so that there, you could had a chance to get an offensive rebound. And De'Aaron Fox... From my vantage point, and I use the term, it was like he exploded off a trampoline. He was, it seemed like he was so high. Well, I sat across the aisle from him on the bus coming back to the hotel last night, and we were talking about it. And he said he was looking at the video for the first time on his phone. And I said, I haven't seen a replay. Would you mind sharing it with me? And he says, well, look, he said, I, I wasn't really that high above the rim. But he said, and then with a real hint of pride, he says, look at this one replay. I'm not even in the picture. I come from out of frame. You know, he's talking like, like a broadcaster, like a TV guy. Yep. And I loved it. And he was absolutely right. He was out of the frame, and yet he timed it. And he said he thought he had jumped too soon. But it was just, it was just one of those magical moments. It happens in a split second, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Did, did I just see what I think I saw? And it was it was just a, a huge impact. And obviously, it's one of those that will be etched in a lot of our minds, I think, for a long time. For a 20-year-old kid, literally, in the NBA, to now have two game winners halfway into his first season in this league, that's pretty darn impressive in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree. I've watched the video from, I don't know if there's three or four different angles. Um, watching it live was like, holy cow, I can't believe I just saw that. Um, but to go back, I mean, my first thing, I was watching the play as Bogdanovich goes to the right elbow. Zebo just falls down, and he's on his back like a turtle, and he's rolling around. <laughs> and then I'm watching, and 
I, I'm like, okay, well, the ball's going up. Someone's got to fly to the ball. I look, and there's Willie Cauley-Stein playing Robert Ory in the 2002 Western Conference Championship. <laughs> He's standing around just kind of floating on the perimeter. And then he was a flash. De'Aaron Fox flies in. And I'll also give Buddy Heald props because if you watch the replay, Buddy Heald is coming from the other side. And if Fox didn't get it, Buddy probably wasn't in position to fly in to dunk it, but he was in position to go and fight for a rebound or to foul someone quickly because he was doing the same thing. And for me, it was a recognition thing that De'Aaron Fox, you hear him, he's like, I was watching the trajectory. I know that my job is to get back, but this is the last play of the game, possibly the last shot. Somebody's going to have to do something. And, you know, that's what I like about him. It's that he does have an incredible basketball IQ and he's raw. He still has a lot of work to do on his game, but you're seeing growth and progressive growth and sort of the skill level will get there. Uh, For now, his mind is probably further ahead than his actually skill on the court. And and so it's going to be fun to watch him develop. Absolutely. And, And that's what the coaches talk about, how, you know, he's a real student of video and how quickly he soaks up things like that and that he learns. He makes a mistake and then he tries not to replicate whatever led to that mistake. And sure, you're going to see, I, I, sometimes he makes some of the softest cross-court passes, and I think that has got to change before he can become as truly effective as a point guard. But that's all part of that, that business you allude to in, in terms of growth. But it wasn't only just that last play. The sequence prior on the possession where he D's up Goran Dragic, steals the ball at midcourt, has the breakaway, which, you know, he was killing himself because he missed it. But thank goodness Buddy Heald was chasing him down the floor. Yep. And you get a basket, and, and the Kings are right there. And, I mean, those are the little things that help you win a ball game. And the thing that I love, James, in the last three games, I was just looking at this earlier today, making a note to myself. The last three games in the fourth quarter, the Kings have given up 16 points to Miami, 17 points to Orlando, only 20 points to Charlotte. That is an average of under 18 points your opponent is scoring in the fourth quarter with a ball game on the line. Second half, those three games, 41 points given up, 46 points, 45 points given up. Then you look at the two previous games against Utah and Memphis when they gave up in the second half 66 points and 68 points, and both Memphis and Utah had huge uh, fourth quarters in terms of numbers. Uh, those are the kind of things that you look at and you say, okay, maybe maybe there legitimately is some hope because you want to see consistency. You want to see a trend become a consistent trend. And the inconsistency is what I think drives everybody crazy and is so typical of a team that's loaded with a lot of young players. You know, you're on the, the bus, you're on the team plane. Um, what has it been, what's different about this group than all the other years, especially the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, you know, the DeMarcus Cousins era. But what is different? Because this team does feel just lighter and, uh, you know, like they're able to like let things go a little bit quicker. And while they have had, you know, a seven-game losing streak and an eight-game losing streak, it's not for lack of effort. It's really, you can see just flaws in their understanding, their sort of maturity on on a basketball court and so they make mistakes but how is this team behind the scenes for you 
Well, I think two things immediately come to mind. They are a very tight-knit group, and it's veterans and youngsters. And you can't give the vets enough credit because they continue. They're always in the ear of these young guys. They're teaching them ways. They're showing them things, be it in practice, be it on video, be it in game situations during timeouts, being in the locker room before or after the game. They're, they're extraordinarily tight-knit. That jumps out to me, and I love that fact. They also, and I, no, I don't see very many practices at all, but from what you hear from the coaching staff, you constantly hear how much, how hard these guys work. And they had two days off in Charlotte, and three or four of the different coaches all said to me in different conversations, we had two really good practices in Charlotte. Well, for a lot of teams, these are kind of the dog days of an NBA season. You're coming up on the all-star break. It used to be the kind of the traditional midway point of the season. Now it's well beyond the midway point. Mm-hmm. But these are tough days. And when you've lost eight straight games and you've lost six straight on the road, you know, there's a lot of re- teams and a lot of, a lot of individuals that would, you know, hang their heads and, and just say, well, I don't know if it's really worth it. Well, these guys keep digging in, and they've shown some resiliency. And the fact that they're down 12 with five and a half minutes to go in that ball game last night against a very good Miami Heat team, uh, I, I just love the way that they dug in. I thought it was over. There was no question in my mind uh, this was a lights-out situation because when you've been outscored in a stretch 33-13 to 13, and you've clearly lost whatever you know, good vibe you had early in the game. And so you say, well, okay, well, this is going to be another tough night in South Florida. And the next thing you know, they're in the game and they end up getting the win. So I like the fact that they're tight knit. I like the fact that they work so hard. Now, that being said, I thought it was really interesting about four games or so back. Dave Yeager in his postgame conversation said, we're too nice. We need to have a touch of nasty. And all of the coaches will tell you that. And they won't come out publicly say, this team is soft, but that's what some of them are thinking. And that's, yeah. they've had good reason, I think, to, to think, feel that way. Well, now you're seeing a little bit of toughness and you're seeing better defensive effectiveness in these last three games, particularly. And that to me is very encouraging. It's, it's a step that this team really need needs to take and they need to continue that. You hope that you learn from that and say, okay, we can be rewarded if we really dig in our heels. And if I really get in the grill of this guy and I played some hard nosed defense. All right, Gary, I don't want to keep you all day. I know that uh, that warm Florida sun is calling you. Um, but, uh, you know, you've called 2,500 plus games now. You're probably, what, at like 20, 25, 25, 25, 30 at this point, somewhere around there? No, a little higher than that. But it was, I think, coming into this season, oh, I want to say it was like, I think it was 25, 20 coming into the season. So, Oh, wow. So 25. So we're, you know, we've taken a pretty good jump along the road. But yeah, I've seen a lot of Kings basketball over the years. You you have. Uh, And you've seen a lot of a lot of game winners. I mean, it doesn't happen every day. But what's your favorite game winner in your time covering this team uh, being there on the sidelines? And maybe maybe it's your favorite call or maybe it's a favorite moment that you saw that was just, you know, spectacular. Well, there are a lot of them, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm not good at remembering specific situations. Somebody will say something, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I kind of forgot <laughs> about that one or whatever. But, but by the same token, because of the big stage uh, at the time, the Laker playoff series back in 2002, Mike Bibby with a game winner 
against the Lakers, absolutely huge. Uh, I, I love that result. I love that particular moment. Uh, of course, you know, seeing Tyreek hit that half-court shot after yep. Memphis had taken a one-point lead back at the old Arco Sleep Train Arena uh, and the reaction of the fans and uh, in particular coming off the bench, um, oh gosh, I just spaced on his name, uh, already Dante Green. Oh, he yeah. was up off the bench and he was indicating that the three was good even before it went through the net. And it was just, you know, little moments like that. They're, they're awesome. Uh, Marty McNeil reminded me last night on social media about uh, Mitch Richmond with a 40 point ball game when we were down here in Florida many, many years ago and, and different, different things, you know, and they'll say, Oh yeah, remember this, remember that. Well, it's just, it's just so good to be involved in some of those and, and to have De'Aaron Fox now with a pair of game winners in his rookie season, as I indicated, uh, that that already has carved out kind of a special niche. Because uh, as we all learn over a long period of time, these things don't happen that often. Nope. But good on the Kings. I think they've now won four one-point games this season. And so that's, you know, that's nice. And the fact that Sacramento is, I think, James now 7-5 and five in games decided by uh, five points or less. When you've only won 15 games and you've won some close games more than you've lost close games. I like that number. And I also like the fact that Miami going into last night's game, they were 11 and two in games that had been decided by five points or less. So time for them to, to get on the other side and to, you know, have to think about losing a ball game instead of winning all the time against the Kings down here. That's right. Let's uh, I guess so for our new year's resolution, let's hope for more five point or less games. <laughs> well, maybe if that's what it takes man i'm all for it i am all for it all right the incomparable gary gerald from south beach thanks so much for joining us g-man uh we'll have you on again very soon i'm my pleasure james thank you very much welcome back to the king's insider podcast on nbc sports california i am james ham joining me in south beach doug christie dc what's going on man Oh, what is happening, Ham? I'm just, uh, you know, trying to uh, live the Floridian life and avoid the South Beach flu, of course. You're living the dream, Doug. You're living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we talked about this before, but uh, what is it about? I mean, the Kings haven't won there since 2001. What is it about Miami uh, that, that gets these young guys? Is it the nightlife? Is it just hanging out on the beach all day? Is it something different? What is it, Doug? Well, yeah, you know, you got the beach, you got the sunshine. It's all of a sudden, it's that laid back, it's warm, it's 80 degrees. Yeah, you can talk about the nightlife and different things. But I think, Ham, you really got to pair that with the fact that Pat Riley has been down here for quite some time. If you know anything about Pat Riley and Pat Riley teams, they play extremely hard, and that is that is a skill today. You run up in Miami, and if there's any relaxation, you're not ready to play, they will smack you all the way from Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, Dwayne Wade. I mean, they've had some really good teams, and they play at a really, really high level. So, uh, yeah, we, we had our, our troubles with South Beach Flu as well, but we did get a win him that's right that's right uh eric spolstra to me is one of the great coaches in the league he does more with less uh than i think anyone else and you know i just don't think that they have 
the greatest high-end talent on that roster, but what do they have? Eight guys averaging in double figures. It's an impressive thing that he's been able to do over the last, I mean, you could say, I don't know, five or six years, where some years he's got, you know, three superstars, but other years he just doesn't miss. I mean, he, he gets these young guys going and they play well for him. Well, they, they play, uh, like I said, a, a tough style first and foremost. But when you look at players that come here, whether it be a Wang Ellington who's having a career year from the three line, uh, Derek Jones Jr., who uh, spotty minutes and started as of late because some guys were out. Then you can look at a guy like Kelly Olynyk, a, a skilled guy, but maybe he was a little out of shape when he was in Boston. You come here and you find yourself in shape and you find yourself playing at an extreme high level Udonis Haslam who had had a weight problem and boy oh boy did he ever turn his career around in a hurry a champion now so Eric Spolstra he he was he brought along from a video guy all the way and he was a guy that I played against in the WCC went to University of uh, University of Portland and he, he came along video guy before you know it assistant coach head coach and he was handpicked by Pat Riley. I agree with you, Ham. Underrated, extremely good communicator and motivator, and he, he takes these teams to the next level without the best talent. This is true. 27-20 and 20 right now, Ham. Very, very impressive. I think they're fourth in the Eastern Conference, and they've got an opportunity to move up. Um, Pat Riley, do you, uh, do you and Pat, are you going to exchange some words with him and just, you know, say hi and, and you know, Maybe sit down behind the desk with him. Uh, n- no, probably not <laughs> sit down behind the desk. But if if I do see him, by by all means, um, you, you know, you run into people in your career that you don't you don't understand maybe at the exact time what they meant for you, what they did for you. I don't know because I haven't really talked to Pat Riley, but he meant a lot to my career when I got traded from Los Angeles to New York and sat me down and and told me that I wasn't going to play, but use this time to get in shape and find something that'll help you stick in the NBA. And I took his advice and I did that. I got in the best shape of my life and just the learning of the defensive side of the ball that I had never really paid attention to when, when I got with him, I, I learned so much and, and I credit and thank him for a lot of that hard work and perseverance that I was taught with my time with him in New York. You know, Doug, uh, the Kings are, are young. They're, they're having ups and downs. I mean, you've been there for the eight game losing streak. Uh, now you're, you, you got to see a win the other night. They seem to be playing a little bit better over the last couple of games. Um, but do you see growth from these guys? I mean, you're getting to see them a little differently than normal because you, while you are on the road, you're getting to see some practice. You're getting to see a little bit of a, of a different view, uh, especially like being on the team playing with the way that they react to each other, the way that they communicate. Um, is this opening your eyes a little bit? Yeah, I, I like to see, first of all, the growth in the work ethic and watching guys get after it and seeing Bogdan, you know, he was going through a slump and spending massive amounts of times in the gym. That's how you're going to get over stuff like that. You you watch a Willie Cauley-Stein who had been up and down, had a bad game after having some good ones and then comes back and I just watch him in front of me fighting through it, fighting through it and, it, and didn't necessarily do it with all offense. It was energy and uh, aggressive 
explosiveness on the defensive end and uh, the ability to see Scal in the gym late nights wor- working on his game. It's it's a it's a blessing, man, to watch them and watch their progressions and see a uh, you know De'Aaron Fox as he continues to grow. And uh, Harry Giles the other day I mentioned on the Deuce and Mo podcast that uh, you know there was this pass that was up high and he grabbed it all in one motion and, and there was a back cut at the same time and he had his back to the person back cutting but dropped a dime to him and they they didn't catch it but the fact that he even saw it is, is impressive and to watch the coaching staff continue to work with these young players it's it you know I first of all appreciate the ability to to be able to go to practice because everyone doesn't get to do that but uh, watch them work and mold these young players is it's an honor. So getting to see Giles behind the scenes, is there, I mean, you talk about the pass. I've heard about his passing ability. They say he's by far the best passer, uh, passing big man on the team without any question. He might even be the best passer on the team. He he has incredible court vision. Um, physically, what does he look like on the court? Uh, he looks fantastic. I, I don't see anything... There's no change from just from my eye, no change in his gait as far as, you know, limping or anything. He he looks solid. I, I think that ultimately the narrative is needs to and, and probably will begin to change with, you know, oh, talking about his health and those those things. I, I think the kid is 100%. They brought him along the right way. They're continuing to bring him along and making sure that he is the best version of Harry Giles that he can be when he takes the court. Because you think about a kid who's got hurt in high school and then all of a sudden he goes to college and he's playing, but he's not 100%. And taking the ability, uh, Ham, from high school games, you're talking about probably 25 to 30 maybe. And in college, probably about the same. And he didn't really uh, play in all those to then come into the NBA. And if you just throw him to the Wolves, 80, 82 games plus preseason games, six. And before you know it, you could definitely harm him physically and maybe mentally. But I, I really like what I see with how the Kings have chose to bring the young fellow along he looks to be in good spirits he's a a great kid he works hard and I I like everything that I see from him now Doug the Kings have been in trade rumors nonstop over the last I don't know 72 hours Uh, George Hill rumored to possibly be be going to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, for what is it Channing Frye and uh, Iman Shumpert Um, Mm -hmm. and you know in that deal if it does come to fruition, uh, the Kings are going to have to give up a young asset in order to make the the roster spots work. Um, you've been through this, the trade rumors, the actual you know physical action of a trade. Um, as a player, what is that like? How, how does it uh, distract or, or take away from what you're trying to do? Or do you just try to be singularly focused and, and not put it out and not really pay attention to the noise? You know, it, it depends on where you're at in your career. When you deal with a guy like George Hill, he's been through this before, so he understands when you talk about young players that maybe haven't been traded or there haven't been rumors of trades and different things like that. It can be it, it can be crushing. It can be eye opening, uh, and probably both, to be honest with you, because the crushing part is you're like. 
you like when you go to high school, you're all in because that's your high school. Unless you change high schools, it happens from time to time. Same thing in college. You choose a college, you're all in. You're sporting those colors. You're representing your college. Well, this is a, this is a business when you get to the NBA. So, but initially, when you're drafted or you come to that team, you you, you you're all in. You're like, this is where it's at. This is where I'm gonna be. And then all of a sudden, you find out that th- there's a business side to this. And I tell them you, you control the things that you can control and the one thing is that you are a commodity and you can make that commodity as good as you can possibly make it continue to work on yourself continue to work on your game on your body those different things so uh, there there can be an emotional roller coaster the sooner that you understand the business side of this and the business aspect of it uh, the, the sooner that you that it kind of goes off your back and you understand that to be honest with you when you are in trade rumors ham that means somebody wants you and you got value that's right. Or you're thrown in and then you never know what's going to happen to you. That's that's always a scary part, uh, especially for these young players. I mean, you hear Malachi, uh, you hear Scowl mentioned. Um, everything that I hear is that, like, look, we're not just giving up on somebody uh, that if, you know, that we're not just going to throw in Scowl here in a dump. Uh, that that basically you hear a lot of these rumors, but these some of these rumors are uh, conjecture by somebody. Some of them are pie in the sky. Man, I really wish they would throw this guy in. And so let's put his name out there. Um, and from everything I'm hearing, uh, the Kings don't have a lot of interest in, in trading Scalabissier that, I mean, he's not untouchable, but someone would have to come at them with an actual deal to get Scal, not... A, hey, we're going to throw him in on a George Hill trade. Um, and so I, for me, it would be tough if I'm in that situation where you know you don't really know what's happening. But again, from what I know, the Kings have gone to their young players and explained to them whatever situation that they're in and given them the you know the plan that they know as of today, telling them you know whether they there's potential or there's not potential. And they've been upfront and honest with them, making sure that they know that here's sort of the script. This is what's happening, and we need you to go out and play your game. Go out there and be a professional and be a, an NBA player. And when your number is called, you go you go out there and play your minutes. I guess my question to you: Have you been on a team where someone was forcing their way out, where someone didn't want to be there, and they were pushing buttons trying to get out? Uh, which is exactly what George Hill is doing. I'll say it. You don't have to. Um, you know, George Hill has gone to the media multiple times and he says, oh, sorry, I won't do that. You know, my bad, my bad. And then he goes right back to the media and does it again. Um, he He's had his agent out there shopping him. Um, he signed a $20 million, well, a $57 million deal, and it's not what he expected. And he doesn't want to be in Sacramento anymore. Uh, that's pretty clear. Um have you been in a situation where you saw that, where you saw a player say, look, I, I want out of here. And then as a teammate, how do you handle that? Yes, I have been in that situation before. Um, you know, it's the one thing that I will say is sports does a, a lot to, to cure a lot of things. 
and George just watching him, he's a, he's a professional. He's going to go out there and he's going to do his job when it starts to affect the performance in the locker room. And, and that's not what I see. These guys, they have fun together. They work together. They, they are, you know, they, they go out on the court uh, in practice anytime. So from that standpoint, can it, it can get hard if, if a player starts to detach from the team and things like that. I do not sense any of that here, but when those type of situations, and I've been around both sides of that, it, it can get really hard because then it's like, because you're a team, you're all in together. And then all of a sudden someone starts to pull away from that. It just makes it an uncomfortable situation. But I sense none of that around the Kings. Okay, good. That That's good to hear, Doug, because uh, for me, if, you know, I think we've all been in jobs where you know that someone's there who doesn't want to be there. Um, and you're looking at them and thinking, man, we got it pretty good here. I, you know, and someone else doesn't feel that way. And so it, it can be a little bit of a distraction. I think it can also pull some guys together, but a young team, the one thing that I hope is that they aren't learning that this is a typical thing in the NBA, that, that it's not something that if you don't like where you're at, you just make some noise and go to the press and, um, and again, not to just call George out because I, I do think he's had some personal issues this year, uh, that's put him in a situation where, you know, it's just not, it's not a good fit. It's not what he expected. He's looking at the clock and thinking, man, I don't have that much time left in the NBA. And is this how I want to spend my last couple of years? He's made the playoffs every year of his career. I mean, you keep listing these things, but when you take the money, you take the money and you know, what's coming with it. And if, for me, like if George Hill looked at this roster and looked at this team coming into the season and thought that this season was going to play out completely differently, I, I'm not sure that that I understand that because, I mean, you know, we all make predictions, right? I, I was at 27 wins. You were at, what, 32 wins, 30, 32 uh, wins? Yeah, high 35, yep. Cozumore was at, what, 22? Uh, I mean, yeah, we all— yeah, we all look at this in a certain way, and we're just looking from the outside. None of us saw 48 wins in a potential playoff run. And so when I hear, like, well, he thought he was in this for a potential playoff run and stuff like that, to me it's just like, well, then really you weren't paying attention to the makeup of the team, the way that this thing was going to play out. So not to belabor the point anymore, Doug, uh, but... I guess let's just move on from George Hill and, and get to the other thing, which is uh, the Rising Stars Challenge. The Kings get two guys in. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has left off. Uh, that was kind of a numbers game. But how are you on these, these you know opportunities to shine at All-Star Weekend? Because you're a guy who played in the slam dunk contest. Yeah. You know, for, for Buddy and uh, Bogdan, I think it's an absolute honor. Excited for them. Hope. Maybe if Buddy uh, makes it to the three-point contest, I think that that would be fantastic for him as well. Uh, looking at De'Aaron Fox, actually, I think it's a good thing because uh, it, this is the type of thing that can light a fire under a young player. And it, you want to go and prove everybody wrong. And you want to say, look, at you guys made a mistake and let me show you. And um, some of it, not his fault, being hurt and different things like that. But if, if he would have been playing the way that he has been 
been playing as of late the whole time, I mean, it's a no-brainer because he's shown that, that uh, he has the talent and he has what it takes. But for Buddy and Bogdan, this is a, it's an honor, uh, obviously, to represent their countries and the Sacramento Kings in, uh, in that in that contest. So uh, I told them today when I saw them, congratulations, excited and happy for them. And to, to watch a young deer and Fox, I'm excited for him to be honest with you, because like I said, these are the things that that light a fire under a young player. Yeah. And you know, it was strictly a numbers game. I know a lot of people are upset, but the, the way that they are doing this, a team USA versus the world, a lot of guys made the world team. I probably two or three, that that don't belong on that at all over De'Aaron Fox, uh, you know. But if you look at the Team USA team, it's difficult. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. is having a better statistical season than he is. Uh, so is Lonzo Ball. So is Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I mean, so you're looking at this thinking, well, why didn't he make it? Chris Dunn is having a better season than De'Aaron Fox. Uh, but, you know, in, in the... I, I think it should be a motivating thing as well. Um, he's a media darling. He has been since he was drafted. Everyone wants a piece of De'Aaron Fox. But maybe this kind of shows him that, like, look, just because every, you're popular and everybody likes you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're better than other people in the league and that, you know, that maybe that, that off-the-court stuff doesn't mean anything and that the real action is on the court. That's where you get the real acclaim. And so hopefully, I, I hope it is like a, a wake-up call, like a, a moment where he goes, oh, well, that, that stings. And so next year, I don't just want to be in the Rising Stars. I, I want to be an all-star. I want to be that level player. Um, so it can it can go a bunch of different ways. Um, but, Doug, I don't want to keep you all day. You got to get uh, get to your, your beach body tan, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, you got to right. go, go lay out, maybe uh, stroll on a, on a veranda somewhere. Um, but a trip like this, do you see these guys staying together and pulling together and, and fighting together? Uh, or do you see sort of little groups of people going one way and another way and uh and you know sort of the separation that a team that's losing you know that that kind of happens yeah absolutely not actually him you know if, if you walked into a king's practice you wouldn't know that they had a losing record. You would think that this is a winning team because there's a spirit about the practice. There's a spirit about the guys. They're getting after it. They're working hard. And it's so no, there, there's no fragmenting. There's no guys going their own way. And that's just a good culture to build for these young guys. They are in there working. They're getting after it. And it's a, it's a pleasure to watch, man. Uh, Cause I've been in the other type of practices where teams are losing and they're, they're going down heel and and it hasn't worked out all right doug thank you so much for joining us uh can't wait till you get back next week we'll uh we'll go get some uh our our daily starbucks at least you know twice a day no like, doubt. Like, like we usually do uh you know it man and we'll be back in town so uh thanks for joining me from the road doug you got it man go kings <laughs>